This is a continuation of a previous broadcast in which I spoke about the tithe being a celebratory opportunity where God has given us great symbols by which to celebrate eternal things. And when it comes to being a son of God, God has given us an inheritance. We are not to bargain for that inheritance because you can't bargain for an inheritance, it's a promise. As a son, that inheritance is given to you by your father and you may properly expect that that inheritance will attend you and that all you need for life and godliness is envisioned to be within that inheritance. We're saying that typically people bargain for, uh, for what they get especially in money and in money terms and they bargain in terms of getting God to agree, thinking they're getting God to agree to protecting the nation, to protecting their families, to supporting their finances and their economics and to provide for them in in health terms for themselves and their families. But I was pointing out these things, these things were exactly what God promised under the law. In exchange for which, under the law, the tithe was one of the requirements for the support of the Levitical order. But as sons, we have an inheritance whether or not we give to God. The tithe is a way that God has given us to celebrate our sonship. Even in the situation that involved Abraham, when he gave the tithe to Melchizedek, you will recall that Abraham was returning from the defeat of the kings who had abducted Lot and taken that portion of Abraham's inheritance that Abraham Abraham had previously given to Lot. So in a sense, when Abraham rescued Lot, he retook his inheritance and out of that he tithed. The point is that there is a direct connection between your understanding that you are a son and the freedom and the opportunity to tithe. You have the opportunity to celebrate the fact that you are no longer living under the curse of the sweat of your brow. By the sweat of your brow you will eat bread. You will recall that after the flood in the book of Genesis, the seventh chapter, God said, I will no longer curse the ground for man's sake. The curse itself was revoked. And where you are concerned as the sons of God, the scriptures in in Matthew 6 specifically says, Your heavenly Father knows the things for which you have the need, such as, Wherewithal shall you be clothed? What will you eat? What will you drink? He says the Gentiles, the unbelievers in that category, the unbelievers worry about these things. But if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things shall, shall be added unto you. The belief that somehow you give to get is rooted in the mentality of slavery. 
to suggest that your inheritance is anything but a gift is to suggest that you have traded places with, from being sons to being slaves. Now, what about this thing, though, that commonly occurs in Scripture about faithfulness in giving? The Word says, If you are unfaithful with unrighteous mammon, how can you expect to receive the riches of the kingdom? Begin with this fact. To receive money from God is to receive the lowest of the thresholds of blessings from God. Because the Bible describes money as, quote, unrighteous mammon. And compares unrighteous mammon unfavorably to the true riches of the kingdom of heaven. What are the true riches of the kingdom? Well, they would include the character of God, would, would they not? And they would include greater endowments of your gift as a son, gifts to you as a son of your inheritance, and your calling, where you're able to function in relationship to who God made you to be. So, what is the relationship between being found faithful in unrighteous mammon and then being given the gifts of the kingdom. Well, the relationship is this. God will test you with unrighteous mammon to see if you still put your trust in your ability to pay your own way as opposed to trusting God. To see if you're still there. The and here's how it works. This is found in 2 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. The majority of what God entrusts to you in money terms, finances, he means for you to consume as bread for food. That means when God gives you financial resources, God typically expects that you eat, consume upon yourself and your family most of it. When he's starting out with you, he has two other requirements. One is that you give the tithe to celebrate your sonship so that you do not think that hoarding and keeping what you have is in fact how you are blessed. People begin to, they begin in the spirit and they continue in the flesh. They begin to ask God for financial opportunities and when he gives them that, they thank God for it and then pull it all in and say, okay, now I have financial opportunities. These are the ways I am going to support myself. Not remembering that you first asked God and then he gave to you. How difficult is it for God to give you more if you're proven to be faithful? You know, people settle for so little because they're not willing to move in faith beyond the little that has been given. They're, they're prepared to consume the little and stay there. But if you'll celebrate the fact that you're free from the sweat of your brow by giving the tithe, if you, and that's how you celebrate that, then you open yourselves for greater endowments of His grace. So part of it, God will require you to give the tithe. It's not a law. It's not how you become a son. 
It is that because you're a son and you have this inheritance, you're distancing yourself from a works mentality and you're beginning to embrace the fact that whatever you need for life and godliness, your father will give it to you. That's what the tithe declares. Now, as God begins to test you, not only will he test you with the tithe, but he will test you with something else. He'll test you with offerings. He will give you all you need. And then he will require you to sow a portion of it. Now, if you eat all that he gives you, if you consume it all as bread for food, and you do not sow any of it, there's no sin in that. You're not going to hell. But what it does say is that you cannot be trusted to take care of people and to take care of things that God is interested in taking care of. So God will give you bread for food and eat all the bread you get. But he will not begin to hand over to you the riches of his kingdom. Because in your failure to listen to the Holy Spirit with what he has given you, to consume, he allows you to consume practically all of it on yourself and your family. But if you do not learn beyond that to sow and to give the portions of it as offerings, he requires the tithe, again, not as a condition of, son, of sonship, but in celebration of sonship. Just like he requires baptism, like he requires that you partake of the Lord's Supper. Because when you do these things, you're celebrating great eternal truths. And it's in your celebration that these things become real to you. If you never celebrate them, then the idea of what these things represent will fade even from your memory. And you as a believer cannot afford to fail to remember that you've been washed so that you may be sacrificed. You cannot afford to fail to remember that. You must also remember that you have been presented to God, you've been raised from the dead, and the Spirit of God has separated you from the world that you might be a son of God. You cannot afford to, to, to forget that. Th these things are critical to the understanding of who you are as sons of God. Similarly, you cannot afford to go back to the mentality of being a slave, scratching and, and, and hunting and pecking to get your daily bread, because then you can be controlled by your need and the fear that you won't have enough. So that's why God requires you, insists that you, in a habitual way, that you practice these things, because they are the actual incidences of your freedom. Now, when God gives you this portion of money, and you will give the tithe, and you will sow with offerings, what God concludes is, here is a man, here is a woman, who can be trusted to do with my resources the things I would have him or her do. In other words, they can be trusted to express God's goodness in money terms. They can be, be trusted to express God's love and kindness to people who have a need. Right, now, 
when you're willing to do that, God will increase your seed for sowing. God will multiply to you that extra that you need so that you may have all that you need and all that you need to supply on every occasion so that you become a conduit of the blessings of God. And you never fall prey to a hoarding mentality. Unfortunately, when this is taught, it is taught that you give to get. But it's not taught that you give as an indication that you can be trusted with unrighteous mammon as a prelude to God entrusting to you the greater riches of the kingdom of heaven, which is to have God's heart and concern for the lost, God's heart and concern for humanity, and then be allowed by God to be the instrument by whom God supplies what is needed. This now becomes the foundation of your ability to serve God in a mature fashion. How can you expect to be handed over the true riches of the kingdom when you are unfaithful with unrighteous mammon? The reason men fail to be faithful with unrighteous mammon is because they go back to the mentality of slaves when it comes to money. They think that you've got to hoard it in order to have it. They do not realize that whatever you need will be supplied in a timely manner every time. I once had a friend, when I began to see the mentality of a slave, when I began to see the mentality of poverty, was in this example. I once had a friend who, he and I were having a conversation one day just about our childhood. And he said to me, he said, well, when I was a child, I slept with a tortilla with a piece of bread under my pillow. And I, I was surprised by that. You know, I thought it was some kind of a tooth fairy thing. <laughs> but uh, so I said, well, why? Why would you sleep with a piece of bread under your pillow? And he said, so that when I awoke the next morning, I'd have something to eat. And it was really my first face-to-face contact with the mentality of poverty, so that I would have something to eat. And I thought about my own childhood and how I never thought about needing something to eat when I woke up. I always assumed that when I woke up the next morning, when I, when I got up, there would be breakfast. I think of my own children and how they never think about how they have to take care of themselves. That's their father's responsibility. The mentality of a slave is, I must hoard what my father gives me because tomorrow he will not give me bread for that day. Why do you think Jesus asked us to pray and give us this day our daily bread? Why do you think that manna came every day and the children of Israel were forbidden to collect manna for two days in a row? except on the sixth day, because on the seventh day, uh, they were required not to collect any manna, and no manna came. 
God simply wanted them to understand that He, the Almighty, knows what is necessary for every day. And when you assume that the Almighty cannot supply you fresh and new manna in every day, then you've assumed a lack of capacity on the part of God that makes him less than God. Your inheritance has to do with who your father is. And when your attitude is that of a slave, you cannot trust your father. You cannot rely upon who your father is. Earthly fathers are given to us to teach us about the character of our Heavenly Father. I have a goal for myself in relationship to my children. And that goal is that because I raised my children in a manner that reflected the character of God, especially in regards to their supply, that they will grow up always assuming that God will supply them every day in regards to whatever they need in that day. That's my goal. That they will never fail to believe who God is. The hardest thing to change in the minds of Christians today is the mentality of slaves. Always anticipating that by the sweat of your brow, when you work it, you will have what you need. It isn't just the law that deposits that legacy. But Christian law is mainly to be blamed for that condition. What do I mean by Christian law? I mean all those teachers and all those doctrines that they teach to entrap your thinking into believing that if you will do this, 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 and this, whatever those things may be, that that's how you get supplied. That's utter rubbish. And what it does is that it robs you of the standing as a son. You've been routinely told that if you don't tithe, your finances will be cursed. That's the Old Testament. That's the law of Moses. When God said in Malachi, put me now herewith to the test, if you'll bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse, Put me to the test and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and bless you. These people were not the sons of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? They were not the sons of God. The law never made anyone into a son because the law created an indebtedness in which you were a slave. A slave cannot handle the inheritance of a son because the slave is never given the inheritance of a son. A slave hopes that the master will supply on the basis of the slave's labor. But you are a son. You are a son. The storehouse used to be the temple. And the reason that they were required to bring tithes to the storehouse was because the storehouse, it was the nature of the tithe was that it was grain, produce, livestock, and so on. And if they left it out on the steps, it would spoil. Today you hear pastors saying, 
bring the tithe into the church building and you will and God will bless you i submit to you brothers and sisters this makes you a slave the model of this teaching is the old testament and the law that's the model of it you are a son and your supply does not depend upon whether or not you tithe your supply depends upon who your father is your father knows that you have needs before you ask i have children they're adult children but because i have been a young person i know when they have needs they don't typically have to ask me i mean if for some reason i overlook it and they ask me i'll i'll help them i'll give them the supply according to what they need but i anticipate what they need because i am their father i am their father in the new testament you are treated as sons and not as slaves the tithe is not about your supply it's about your celebration of your sonship you celebrate the fact that you have an inheritance from your father that's what the tithe is in that sense it's like the lord's supper that celebrates your resurrection it's like the baptism which celebrates your separation from the world offerings is how god tests you to see if you may become a conduit of blessings to others so god will give you bread for food and seed for sowing he wants you to eat the bread that he gives you for food and for you not to worry about it but the offerings the portions that he would give you for offerings he wants you to sow those into the lives of other people so that you might receive the blessedness according to the scriptures that say it is more blessed to give than to receive what is the blessedness the blessedness is to stand in the place of god for god so loved the world that he gave when you give you understand something is released in your heart concerning the understanding of the nature of god because everything you give as a gift is not something that somebody else has earned it's generosity on your part toward them if they earned it you shouldn't feel good or bad about giving it to them because you're not entitled to feel like somehow you've done something wonderful if i have workmen at my house and i pay them i should have no sense that i have i am some magnanimous person because i paid them their wage but when i give i can see how god feels when he gives to us that's the blessedness that's why it is more blessed to give than to receive so it's also why as a partaker of the divine nature god will give you some seed for sowing so that you can taste what it feels like to be on the blessedness the side of the blessedness where god always is why because god is raising up sons as rulers a royal priesthood royalty is about ruling when you have not learned to give you're still an infant son an infant son 
is never concerned about the well-being of anybody else. An infant son's favorite word is mine, mine. Because they only know how to receive. But when you become mature, you take over the responsibilities of your father's house because the house is yours. And you're ruling it in a manner consistent with the character of your heavenly father. That's why the scriptures say, if you're unfaithful in unrighteous mammon, how can you expect to be given the riches of the kingdom? Money is the lowest threshold and therefore it's an appropriate test. The tithe, the offering. The tithe will have you celebrate your sonship. An offering will, will have you celebrate the nature of God in his goodness. These are the realities of being a son of God. You have an inheritance. I'm Sam Solon. God bless you. I'll see you again. Bye-bye.